Welcome to the Business Intelligence Podcast from Proactive Worldwide with David Kalinowski. And today's conversation continues our discussion on business wargaming and gets into how an organization can build the capability of conducting their own war games. We also have four stories of actual war games and what was learned. And finally, some evidence of how years of rigidity can be broken loose in a single war game and transform an organization from the inside out. Do people ever try, do organizations ever try to do these themselves? Or are there little ways for somebody to kind of dip their toe in and get a feel for this? Yeah, they do. And, and I think uh, I think if they can, that's great. I'd be happy that they're doing it. The challenge becomes the time that people have to run the full event from start to finish. Because again, within the event itself, you have to then know and understand exercises like four corners analysis or strategic SWATs or understanding business model canvases and other types of tools that you might run. But yeah, I think people will try to do them if they have the time. And the challenge is, you know, making sure that you or whoever you have within your company running this is just an exceptional facilitator. They have to be a really strong communicator and just be able to have a great grasp of the topic and really control of the room. So it sounds like to me that anybody looking to do this is going to do well to have somebody kind of walk them through it at least one time. And so they get a feel for the process and all that and not try and figure that all out. It's a skill that can be learned and you likely won't be good at it the first time you do it, (laughs) you know, and if you can get some coaching and guidance, and certainly we've learned that as you can observe somebody doing something and then you do it with them, you know, in practice, and get some feedback and guidance and corrective, you know, understanding there. And you know the right way to get it done. Most people are probably like me in the sense of, you know, hating duplicate work. I, I hate doing things over. I hate it. <laughs> right. So yeah. if you could get some help on how to figure out the right way to do these from the beginning, then then get it. Because what I can tell you, Gary, is that those that have tried to do it themselves and if it didn't go well, and some I do know tried it and didn't go well, that company almost never will do another war game again. Right. So yeah, if you're a person that wants to set this up with your organization, you want to be mindful of the risk of it not going well and then getting labeled as a failure project. Or or just the, yeah, just the initiative itself being something that uh, I told you it wasn't going to work or it's, you want people to have an amazing first experience and a valued experience and, and have a positive buzz about it so that when you run another one, you know, months later, they want to be involved. I mean, we've done these at a point for some companies, Gary, they're literally upset that they don't get invited to be part of the war game because they want to participate, right? But you can't have everybody in every game. Yeah. <laughs> right. What we're saying is, or what it sounds like is that if you bring like your organization and help them do at least one with you, that will really help guarantee the success. Have you ever a run into running a war game for an organization and then run into some challenges? Uh, you know, what kind of challenges do you run into Because it sounds like you can almost pretty much guarantee it'll be a success if you run it, but you ever come across situations where you're like, ooh, uh, we got to make some adjustments here. The the challenges that you might face, you identify before you actually have the event, right? So it's part of the pre-planning understanding to what are any do's or don'ts, what are some personalities in the room that might be troublesome, right? Because let's let's say you have a a brand leader who is just really rigid about, I've been in the industry 30 years. What what am I going to learn new in this thing, right? Well, then what you do is you put them on the competitive team 
So now they're forced (laughs) to have to look at their own company with a different lens and a different way of thinking for half a day. And that's probably something that they've never done their whole career, right? So really think about it. How often do you ever get to sit in the skin for a day and, and think like your competitor for the day. I mean, we, we're challenged with enough time to think in our own companies about what we have to do, let alone spend a day thinking like the competitor. So it's a real, real privilege, you know, and, and a, a real great thing that a company does when they invest in allowing their strategists and those that are executing the plan to actually have some time to think about how the competition thinks, <laughs> you know, so they could better plan yes. themselves. So, so again, I think you, you have to think about the questions in the pre-planning phase of the potential areas that could be roadblocks. But yeah, I mean, every now and then you'll get, you'll get uh, a couple folks that will challenge and push and that's okay. I, I like that actually. Um, but as the facilitator, I don't directly take that on. I do. Di- I direct that right back to the team to address. Okay. Hey, you know what? Uh, Susan here has some, some excellent points that nobody else has raised and seem to be challenging what you're saying here. So what do you guys think about that? What are some different types of exercises that you think you could describe that goes on in a war game? A lot of push-ups, jumping jacks. Uh, no. <laughs> no, so there's a couple of staples, a couple of them that we will include no matter what. One is a, a four corners analysis by Michael Porter. Now, many have, may have heard of it, but then when you actually ask some folks, they've never really done one of these before. So a four corners analysis has the name implies four corners to it. There is a, an element about drivers. There is a understanding of the current strategies of an organization and thinking about the management's assumptions and then capabilities. So here's how this comes into play. You know, we did a war game with a trucking organization a couple of years back. And in the process of that, you know, you're starting to really think about what's really driving this company. Why are they doing what they're doing? Do they want to be number one? Do they want to be profitable? You know, what's driving their behavior? Because if what's driving one company is different than what's driving your company, it changes the whole outlook of why they behave the way they do. And then you start looking at the strategies, again, applying Michael's mindset of what, what strategy is, which is actually kind of a tough question when I ask people, what is strategy? Then you'll get answers such as, well, it's our plan. It's a plan of action. And what strategy to Michael Porter is, what's our unique positioning and how are we going to gain an advantage and how are we going to sustain that advantage over time? So by understanding strategy, you start to understand competitive intent and then looking at what's the management assuming about the market, about the competition, about growth, about new entrants. And then finally, what are their capabilities? So in this trucking example, finally it hits someone going, I don't understand how this trucking company, they say they have this unique strategy here, but we're clobbering them. And then they came to realize, well, wait a second, this is a Japanese-based organization. (laughs) So they don't have a three-year plan or a five-year plan. They have a 20, 25-year plan because the culture's different. And so they're willing to do things now that might not be winning the market share because they're more concerned about years 8, 10, and 12, where they're thinking, okay, we're going to clobber you. And then you start looking at what they say their strategy is in this four corners. And then you look at the capabilities and say, well, geez, they don't even have the capability to deliver on what they say they're going to do. And that may be true. And you might need a war game to realize that. But then what that suggests is, okay, so are they going to buy, partner, or build the capability that they need? And then you start watching for indicators that tell you that. So that's one tool, right. a four corners tool. 
You can look at tools like strategic SWATs, you know, strengths, weakness, opportunities, or threats, but not a traditional SWAT. Uh, I heard somebody many years ago reference that as a stupid waste of time SWAT, which I thought was funny and accurate. <laughs> but a strategic SWAT looks at the intersections between what are the strategies to leverage the strengths of an organization to seize a particular opportunity and the intersection of, you know, how, how is a company using its strengths to blunt a threat? So those is a different conversation. But then you just get into different type of uh, scenario exercises, moves and counter moves, force field analysis, business model canvases to understand how do we create and deliver and capture value inside of an organization. So there's a wide variety of different exercises, but those are a few. Do you have any other stories that give us a good example of how something will play out with some more specifics? Yeah, you know, so over the years, there's always been discussion about a concern of how do we link the information we have to decision making? How do we actually go about taking the knowledge that we've gained, the data we've gained, whether it's from our customers, from the competitors, from the, from the market, from regulatory, whatever it is, and get executive leadership to act. And so, again, we found war gaming, you know, simulations, scrimmage, whatever you want to call it, a great tool to, again, link intelligence to decision making and foster the dialogue, stimulate debate and discussion to then drive toward action. So I just wanted to touch on that. In terms of other case study kind of examples, there was a client that was introducing a new snack food and they were planning a new product launch. And actually it was unique because it could be sold in two different aisles of the grocery store and in mass retailers. And this was a newer venture for them. It was outside their normal product categories. And so they were going to be dealing with a whole new set of competitors because they hadn't really been in this particular category before. And so they needed to understand the mindset of these competitors that they were now going to be facing because to them, they were going to be new. And through the exercises, not only did they come to better understand how much of a, an assault back they were going to face because these are established competitors and now you're trying to take their share away from them, essentially, they're not just going to give it to you. And so it really allowed them to think of the moves that the organizations would take and in return how the client had to think about preparing for that and how they would blunt those. And ultimately, they were able to, after the game, go back and modify pieces of the strategy, change some of their marketing efforts, and rediscuss even their pricing and some other different areas because of the outcomes of this game here. They went back and revisited some of the strategy and made some shifts. And since then, they had an incredibly successful launch. By this point, after having learned from David the essence of wargaming and hearing real-world examples, I hadn't quite grasped the bigger effect of how wargaming changes the fabric of people's lives until the end of this conversation. Continue listening to hear two more wargame examples, and then the deeper ways wargaming can have an impact. So another example would be in a company in the retail space, very large uh, organization um, understanding, hey, we need to revisit our digital strategy here. So as you probably are aware, brick and mortar stores are facing a lot of pain and they need to better understand what's going on in, in their space. And you have some old school thinkers in some of these companies leading and we needed to, to run an exercise that woke them up a little bit, a little shock and awe. And so uh, through this exercise, they were able to realize that, you know what, they don't have a strong digital strategy in place. They don't have, you know, the resources and the approaches to be able to win the market share right now. And even though things have been okay for their business, they're not growing. In fact, they're getting ready 
to die unless they change some things. And so they were able to, you know, engage in an exercise, a series of exercises that people were able to be very candid and real and talk about the specific challenges that they were facing in the environment and map out a new, new sets of strategies and a timeline and approach that ultimately were rolled up to executive leadership and it involved a lot of shifts and changes, but they got buy-in and actually started moving forward and they're stabilized right now as, a, as an organization. Do organizations ever, based on what they're learning, uh, resent you in any way for, for showing them stuff that they weren't ready to see? <laughs> they, certainly, they certainly could, but no, most, most are pretty appreciative of having gone through this process. The real challenge becomes getting the most senior folks then to actually act and believe the learnings and then be willing to change. You know, so, so you could do all kinds, you come up with great ideas, but if ultimately the end senior leadership doesn't shift and adapt and accept the learnings, then becomes really demotivating for the individuals that came up with those findings. But ultimately the company's not going to move forward because you have that kind of that next tier of leadership saying, these are the things that we see that need to get done. And then it takes really strong champions to escalate and elevate that you know, to get the decisions made. A lot of companies struggle with that, I have to imagine. I'll give you one other, one other example here, and that's, uh, you know, in the chemical industry. So an, an organization that is you know, a multi-billion dollar company in the chemicals market space, and they were facing real challenges about production of, of their particular uh, specialty chemical and whether or not there was going to be production of this chemical in China. And, and what that would mean, the impact it would mean to their business. So we were able to have a scenario planning session that ultimately got them to understand that, boy, if the China government or other resources out there start you know, owning entities that produce this particular unique, rather rare chemical or ingredient, if you will, what would that mean to us? Because now we made cheaper and you might get global distribution from that region of the world. And so we were really able to play out the you know, what do you need to start doing now to prepare for that? You know, what are the pros and cons of that? What can really happen to our organization? How do we get out in front of that? Do we go and start production out there? Do we drive it if we think it's going to happen anyway? Should we be the ones that invest and do it? You know, and so you make real serious strategy decisions, you know, coming out of just having all the dialogue of the pros and cons and the potential impact, you know, so that would be an example of a very specific scenario you know, that, that gets discussed and debated within one of these kind of events. Do any of your organizations that you work with actually have a thought or a fear of something happening where you actually, through the war game, show them that they were not really correct? They were fearing the wrong thing or they were worried about the wrong thing when, in fact, it, it was something else that they should be focusing on? Yes, happens all the time. They might think a particular competitor is really their main thorn when in reality, through the war game, there might be some adjacency or some other non-traditional competitor that just happens to have certain capabilities that if they were to turn those capabilities on or partner with somebody in their industry, they could be a, you know, a huge assault on the client's uh, market space. And so, yeah, we, we had an event earlier this year that really touched upon that exact kind of situation where ultimately all eyes were on competitor A. And then realizing through, through the events and the, the exercises that we did that you know, competitor B, really, if they wanted to come after the market, they were big. They had the, the resources you know, in terms of money and global footprint. And they had established customers that they could have easily and can easily come after our client's market. So then the attention started shifting 
boy, what do they do? What if they do? And are there signals that we're watching in the market that would tell us if they're going to do that? And all of a sudden, there, the fear started getting going, okay, maybe competitive A isn't as much of an issue as we thought. We got to start watching this other company here because they did just acquire somebody else that's sort of in our space. Is that the first sign that they're coming after us? There's often a, a wake-up call that happens uh, during these games that, again, without the event, they would have never really discussed it. I mean, there might have been some side water cooler chats about it, but not with the decision makers in the room hearing it. That's a really interesting point that some of the points that people think about and you discuss and go in the playbook, some of this stuff might all already be happening, but it's not formalized in any way, so it doesn't go anywhere. I think that happens in a lot of companies. I think there's a lot of people who are, you know, the, the Monday morning quarterbacks, right? <laughs> you know, and the folks that, ah, well, if I were running the company, here's what I would do, or we're missing the boat here, or our vision's wrong, or our strategy's wrong. But, you know, whether it's political or lack of courage or whatever it is, or just not having a culture that embraces that kind of dialogue, it doesn't get said or escalated. And so you have pockets of, of groups that might, you know, have a little gossip or, or some things. But now when you create a safe environment, a forum, and set the ground rules about what we're trying to accomplish, now it's not quite, you know, speaker forever, hold your peace, but it's, it's an opportunity to speak. You know, we've had senior leaders come into war games to open them up to say, listen, we want you to be incredibly candid. That's why I won't be in the room. <laughs> you know, I, I want you to say what you want to say. If you think things could be better, say it. If we're missing the mark, say it. You know, and because this is all going to you know, be discussed in two months at our next board strategy meeting or whatever, right? But that, so then that encourages and kind of gives permission to people to say, yeah, be open. Now, again, you got to be professional still, and, and, and that's part of the facilitator's job. You know, but, but ultimately, yeah, you're right. There, there are times that you know, people have ideas, thoughts, comments, um, you know, objections, uh, but they don't know how or where to, to introduce those. And so the war game is a great way to build that into the, into the plan. Yeah, and I think you just really um, highlighted, to me anyways, why you need an outside organization to guide you through at least the first one because i think that's almost next to impossible right when you're too close to yourself how do you you know the politics and all those types of things you know how to 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 really lay that out faster and more efficiently than anybody can internally i mean right you could be fighting years and years and years of tradition and trying to get something out and then but you can come out and, and break that loose like in one event we're an in, independent objective observer of what's going on i have no bias or reason to have a decision go one way or another i just want whatever's best for the organization at the end of the day and so the you're you're right there are times challenges where biases kick in or where people won't ask the tough question you know i'll ask it I really appreciated coming to the understanding of how a lot of the power in awakening an organization can actually come from what they already know but is hidden or siloed within a company and how that can be nurtured into view with a single war game. In our next conversation, David takes it even further when he asks a question that seems so obvious the moment you hear it. Usually there's some piloting. Why aren't we doing that with our strategies? <laughs> it's crazy sometimes when you think about it. Oh. Companies are not pressure testing their strategy before they roll it out. It's as it's rolling out that they have to tinker with it and change it and move it. Figure that out beforehand. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Wargaming, visit proactiveworldwide.com slash wargaming.